You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou So our sermon series on prayer continues here in Lent. And we've reached that point in the, the series where we're talking about impediments to prayer and things that get in our way. And I was going to preach about something this morning. Distraction. That's what it was. Distraction. (laughs) Distraction. When I started to research this particular item, it was amazing. There was so much material, it could have formed its own sermon series. Um, What that told me was that the experience of being distracted at prayer is a universal human experience. And it's a universal Christian experience as well. When I was a sophomore in college, we all came home from college one Sunday, or one, one summer, excuse me, and um, one of my best friends from high school and I, had, we were both a little bit into the, some of the martial artsy, eastern-y stuff, and so we had both decided, we're going to take it upon ourselves to try and meditate, to try and be focused. And, uh, well... Keep in mind that sophomore means immature, okay? We we tried hard, not in a particularly religious way, we were just trying to focus, just trying to clear our minds and focus on one thing. And we did this for about 20 minutes, and finally my friend says, it's useless. I said, what? And he says, I just, I can't get all this other stuff out of my mind. Of course, we're trying to do this without a mentor or anything else. If we had a mentor, we would have learned that that other stuff in your mind is normal. And you have to learn how to let it go to learn to focus, okay? There's a lot of emphasis in popular culture right now on mindfulness, and this is not at all a verse, something foreign to the Christian faith and our tradition. Christians being distracted at prayer is so universal. We have the writings of Christians from every era of the church's history talking about this very issue, from the Puritans back to the medievals, all the way back to the Desert Fathers. Now, this is in the third century. These people left the cities in the third century to go live in the desert. And they complained about being distracted at prayer. They were just one of them literally complains about being distracted by the movement of the sun. How bored do you have to be that you can notice the movement of the sun? (laughs) So it's a universal experience. Two takeaways from that is, don't be surprised if you find yourself distracted at prayer. After 20 minutes, or in my case, 2 minutes or 20 seconds. It happens. And also don't be depressed by it. The experience you are having is the experience of everyone who tries earnestly to pray. So first thing, don't be surprised and don't be depressed. Second thing, pay attention though, because it is a serious issue. 
In the parable of the sower we just heard, the seeds that fall among the thorns are the ones that get distracted. They are the ones whom the cares of this life choke out the life of the Word of God before it can bear fruit in their lives. It's a serious thing. These seeds in Jesus' parable do not come to fruit. They don't experience the joy for which the Word of God was given in the first place. So it's a serious thing, even though it's a common thing. Something to pay attention to. Now, that distraction could prevent us running our race or running it well is something that uh, came home to, to my wife and I a couple of years ago. One of our, be- the best Lenten devotional we ever chose was um, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. If you're not familiar with this, I used C.S. Lewis' quote last week. Lewis is great because he has kind of a foot in the old world and a foot in the modern world. So he's a good bridge person to help us navigate back to older writings of the, of our, the Christian faith. Um, what's interesting is that he's... In the Screwtape Letters, he said it was the easiest book he ever wrote. The premise of the book is this. It's a senior devil giving advice to a junior devil on how best to tempt a human being. And he said it was the easiest book he ever wrote because all he had to do was look at his own prayer life and he would know exactly how the devil could tempt him. (laughs) I've been told it's turned into a play. You're cousin could probably get us all tickets. We should go see it. <laughs> but um, I'm going to read you a little section of this. This is, remember, this is one, this is, this is a more experienced uh, demon writing to a junior demon on how better to tempt someone um, uh, and, and draw them away from God. Now, remember, the demon's writing, so the enemy is God, okay? Our father is Satan. And the patient is the human being he's tasked with drawing away from God. So here's what he writes. Here's what this this senior devil writes. He says, Remember your human patient is not like you, a pure spirit. Never having been a human, oh, that abominable advantage of the enemies. You don't realize how enslaved they are to the pressure of the ordinary. I once had a patient, a sound atheist, who used to read in the British Museum. One day, as he sat reading, I saw a train of thought in his mind beginning to go the wrong way. The enemy, of course, was at his elbow in a moment. Before I knew where I was, I saw my twenty years' work beginning to totter. If I had lost my head and begun to attempt a defense by argument, I should have been undone. But I was not such a fool. I struck instantly at the part of the man which I had best under my control and suggested that it was just about time he had some lunch. The enemy presumably made the counter-suggestion, you know how we can never quite overhear what he says to them, that what he was thinking about was more important than lunch. At least, I think that must have been his line. For then I said, well, quite. In fact, much too important to tackle at the end of a morning. The patient brightened up considerably. By the time I'd added, much better to come back after lunch and go into it with a fresh mind, he was already halfway to the door. Once he was in the street, the battle was won. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper and a number 73 bus going past, and before he reached the bottom of the steps, I got him into an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he was shut up alone with his books... A healthy dose of real life was enough to show him that all that sort of thing just couldn't be true. He knew he'd had a narrow escape. 
And in later years, he was fond of talking about it. He's now safe in our Father's house. Distraction, while the common experience of humanity is still a serious issue for us in our prayer lives. But distraction can also teach us. And again, I learned this from better prayers than I am as I did research for this, this sermon. Here's something that distraction can teach you. What is it that you're loving more than God at the moment? That will intrude itself consistently on your prayer life. I'm not talking about the, ra- the odd random thought, but if you find a theme coming in and in again and again and again, distracting you, there's something you're setting your hope on above what you're setting your hope in God in. There may be a love in your life which is fighting to be an idol that competes with your love of God. Luther said that uh, faith was what makes both an idol and a god. Here's what he writes in his reflection on the first commandment in the large catechism. He says, A god is that to which we look for all good and in which we find refuge in every time of need. To have a god is nothing else than to trust and believe in him with our whole heart. As I have often said, the trust and faith of the heart alone make both God and an idol. If your faith and trust are right, then your God is the true God. On the other hand, if your trust is false and wrong, then you have not the true God. For these two belong together, faith and God. That to which your heart clings and entrusts itself is, I say, really your God. So we can be distracted by things that we find and find that we're really putting more trust in them or more emotional freight in them at least than we're putting in our relationship with God. So all of this can seem terribly depressing. Distraction is universal. It's serious. Um, It can be an education for us about what we need to be freeing ourselves from, something we need to repent of. But it shouldn't be. Because here's the good news. The good news is that the God who hung upon a cross for you knew that this is exactly what you were going to face. Knew the kind of people we would be even as we marched irresolutely into his kingdom. I want you to hear again our passage from the book of Hebrews. And as you hear it, remember the demons lament that abominable advantage of the enemy, that he had actually become a human being. This is from the book of Hebrews. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our great high priest knew exactly what we would struggle with as we tried to truly give our heart, soul, mind, and strength to God and love Him in that way. He knew it from the inside out. He knew all those, what the the church fathers call the logismoi, the little thoughts that come to distract and taunt you. Even if he didn't fall into the trap we fall into so many times 
of being distracted by them. So we can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, for He loves us even in this condition, even as we limp into heaven by His grace. So we pay attention to our distractions. So we can set them aside, so we can repent of them, but we do not allow them to become an impediment to us. We keep, as the preacher says there, we hold to our confession, which means we stick with our our work. We keep coming back and we ask God to help us in the midst of our distractions, knowing that He will do that. And help us refocus our heart, soul, mind, and strength upon Him. Martin Luther had one other wise saying. He said, you know, you can't control what birds fly over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. When you find yourself distracted at prayer, turn your thoughts again to your Savior, and you will find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray. Lord God, as we come here, even seeking to set aside a time of our week just for you. The distractions come thick and furious to us. The enemy trying to trip us up. The air conditioner kicking on. The rain falling on the windows. Whatever it is, Lord, we find ourselves drawn away from you. Sometimes by deep things. Sometimes by things which are great pains in our lives. Whatever the issue, small or large, we know you will give us the grace to help us. For your earnest desire is to see our return home and to see us come to full fruit with the word that you have seeded our hearts with. Strengthen us and bless us that these things may come to pass for the sake of Jesus Christ, our High Priest and Lord. Amen. Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light.